Hello, and welcome to the Government Digital Service Podcast. My name is Vanessa Schneider, and I'm Senior Channels and Community Manager at GDS. Like previous episodes, this one will also be recorded via Hangouts, as we're all working remotely now. Today's podcast topic is Black Excellence in Tech, as part of the GDS celebrations to commemorate Black History Month. The Black Asian Minority Ethnic Staff Network at GDS have planned a calendar of events for the third year running. This year, many of the events are themed around Black excellence. To learn more about this, particularly in the tech sector, I'm joined by three guests, Samantha Bryant, Matthew Card, and Chuck Iwagu. Sam, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, everybody. I am Samantha Bryant, or just Sam, and I am an Associate Delivery Manager on the GovTech Catalyst team and also the, one of the co-founders and co-chairs of the GDS BAME network. Awesome. Thank you, Sam. Uh, Chucks, do you mind introducing yourself? Um, thanks, Vanessa. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Chuck Siwabu. Um, I'm Head of Delivery uh, in Gov.UK. Uh, before becoming Head of Delivery in Gov.UK, I was Head of Delivery uh, on the Verify program. Great. Thank you, Chucks. Finally, Matthew, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, um, I'm Matthew Card. I'm a software engineer, um, also a senior leadership team advisor at the BBC. I also run a motivational platform called Release the Reality, and I've started a black tech network group. Fantastic. Thank you, Matthew. Um, So from what it sounds like, you all carry out important roles in digital data and technology areas of your organizations. Would you mind sharing how you've gotten to the positions in your careers that you are in currently? Let's kick off with Sam, maybe. Okay, so um, I didn't come into the civil service thinking that I would land a tech role. um, And my um, initial idea plan wasn't to be in the civil service for ages, but having found a tech role that is a non-techie tech role. Um, I literally like found my niche and that really encouraged me to stay in the civil service for longer. So I moved from the cabinet office to government digital service where um, I developed and progressed to being an associate delivery manager. Um, And I absolutely love the role. And also because I'm super passionate about DNI, I formed the BAME network here at GDS. Um, But I would say the most important thing about my role was just like being surrounded by like-minded people. So at GDS, there are a lot of people who are in a tech organization, but not necessarily holding tech roles. Uh, So before I became a DM, I was able to liaise with um, delivery managers in GDS, get an understanding for the work that they do. And it really aligned with my natural skill sets. and because I had a natural um, love for technology anyway, it, those two things aligned. Um, so that's how I became an associate delivery manager. That's really cool to hear. Do you mind sharing if you've had any experience outside of the public sector, outside of the civil service maybe? Um, I have, but not in a technical role. So I've worked for, um, I would call them like e-commerce tech companies like Groupon. And prior to that, I did some teaching. Like all of my other jobs prior to this were very diverse and not necessarily aligned with what I do right now. But I also did a degree in English, which is really helpful when you're in a tech role because communication is key. Whether we're thinking about how we make our communications accessible um, and when we think about how we communicate with our stakeholders or how we communicate tech things to non-techies. That's really great to hear. Yeah, it's. I think it's probably really important to hear also that you can do a variety of things before you come into the tech sector and that it's not, you know, a waste of time, perhaps. 
Chucks, do you mind uh, perhaps sharing with us how you came to GDS and to the position that you are in now? I'm a bit like Samantha uh, in the sense that um, I didn't set out in my career to work in tech and certainly to work in IT project management and in delivery leadership. Uh, uh, this might surprise you, but my background is in biochemistry, uh, and I, I did a master's in, in pharmacology and subsequent degrees in in, in chemistry and, and making uh, manufacturing drugs, and, and got involved in clinical research. But it was actually my work in clinical research that led me to uh, tech. Um, I was involved in a, a, a clinical research project and was particularly involved in writing specifications for the development of the application, the, the IT system that we used in clinical research. And that was what sort of introduced me into business analysis and working with developers uh, and, and those who write codes. Uh, I just made that transition from working in that sector into, I really enjoyed, you know, creating, you know, applications, IT systems. From then on, uh, I moved to working initially for uh, the health department in Scotland for NHS National Services Scotland. And then through that to uh, several local authority and, um, you know, ended up in GDS exactly about a year ago. I, I became an agile uh, enthusiast about 11 years ago, uh, became a scrum master 10 years ago and started working in agile scrum and have been working in agile delivery, scrum, Kanban, different flavors of agile for about 10 years. I was, just so people know, I'm, I'm an independent consultant um, and working as an independent consultant in, in an agile space have enabled me to meet some of the cleverest people I've ever met in my life. That sounds like a really wonderful experience. Finally, we turn to Matt. Um, obviously, we've hey. heard perspectives from people who work in the civil service, but the BBC mm -hmm. is obviously also a very big institution in British life. So it'd be really cool to hear how you wound up working there as you do now. I So I, I, I did the traditional route. I started out not knowing what I wanted to do. So I took a, a like a gap year and I was just working in retail for a while. And then I decided to go back to university and I picked, uh, I wanted to do um, something in computers. I found myself on a computer all the time trying to work things out. I thought, well, let me go and learn how to work, to do stuff. I did a sandwich course. So one year was out in, in the real world. And then I came back, completed the degree. And then I found a job in London um, at a, a small company. Um, and then I got made redundant out of my first job, cried my eyes out. Um, you know, because, you know, when you get, you get your first job and you're like, oh, this is amazing. Because I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do before. I found out what I wanted to do. So I thought this was it. And then I got made redundant. And then I was looking for another job. And then I found the BBC. It was really interesting um, because I didn't actually want to work at the BBC because I, I of the perception of what I thought it was going to be like. So I went for the interview and it blew my mind this is like wow because it was so different it was like all open plan like loads of floors and you can look out on a on a whole building and everything and it's like oh this is amazing um then the second interview that I had the, the the person who interviewed me just said oh um so tell me what's your favorite site and I was just like wow this is a really interesting question so I was like YouTube 
because it's like 2009, so it's like YouTube is massive, and it's like just everybody can share their content. It's just amazing, you know. You know, and and he was like, right, it's a really good answer. Um, he asked me some other questions, and then I got the job, and I've been at the BBC ever since. I went, I started in London, and I moved up to Manchester with the BBC, and I'm here now. That sounds like it was a really positive experience. Do you think that doing your degree was something that made you more successful in your career? Um, yes and no. So I, I, I think that my skills outside of, of um, the, the, the computer science has really helped me. Um, like, because as I said, I worked in retail for a very long time. So my customer service skills really helped because at the end of the day, the users are customers, right? Sometimes you just have to explain and you have to have difficult conversations with people and just say, you can't have that right now. You know, that's got nothing to do with tech. That's just, you you can't have that right now. So so um, it, it's more about um, conversations and, and learning to talk to people and dealing with dealing with personalities as well. That's that's was really important. Brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, so a question to both Chucks and Sam. Do you think there are any kinds of supports that you've had in your life that were a factor in you being successful in your current jobs? So is there anyone who has supported me in my life and helped me to be successful? I would say, well, initially my parents in terms of installing values into me that have made me want to be the best version of myself who have they've made me feel like nothing's impossible to achieve they help to install values in me make me bold confident and um just positive um and they made me a nice young lady um who's good at communicating and then along my career journey I would say there have been a few people in GDS who have really encouraged me especially along my journey to becoming a delivery manager um so I'm always thankful to them um and I feel like some of it's really internal and kind of spiritual like um yeah I feel like my connection like my religious connections helped to install lots of confidence and self-belief in me that helped me to naturally just push forward for myself as well um so yeah yeah that's actually a really interesting factor talking about religion because I think support can come not just from people but also from networks for mm -hmm. instance so yeah, Chucks, if you've got any reflections on that, I'd be really interested. Again, very similar to Sam's. I'm a person of faith um, and um, a person of Christian faith. Um, I have very strong connections with, with the church. Um, and, you know, people might, some people know this, but I'm a first generation immigrant. So family network has always been at the heart of everything. So I'm the youngest of seven um, and, and my brothers and sisters um, have just sort of spurred me on to, uh, to, to strive for excellence. One of the things um, I have experienced being a, a first generation immigrant is that I am conscious that I have been given an opportunity and being in this country for me is I am you know eternally grateful you know that that those who were here before me um, have built a, a platform that has enabled me to to flourish, and I have this sense that I have to contribute to making that making this place a better a better place, uh, uh, not just for myself but for all people.
you know, all people, irrespective of their backgrounds and irrespective of, of, of where they've come from. Uh, but on GDS particularly, I have found the support of um, the Deputy Director for Delivery absolutely uh, uh, of great value. Um, I, I, you know, this person has become somebody who has inspired confidence in me, uh, has enabled me to understand the civil service. And I think everyone, uh, BAME or not, need to have people who inspire confidence in you. You know, the director of Gov.UK has some great ambitious plans for Gov.UK. And each time I talk to her about these things, I feel, wow, you know, you've got these ambitions, which means I can have ambitions for, for things, for people. I can do this. You're doing it. I can do it. Yeah, it sounds like mentorship is a through line. So um, obviously, I hope you are happy where you are, even if it's a way station on what's next. But if you could change one thing about your career, would you? And what would it be? Um, I think, Chucks, you've got something on your mind on that front, don't you? Um, yes. Um, I actually set out to becoming a doctor. If I can change something in my career now, um, I'll tell you what it is. I, I would not leave, uh, you know, delivery. I would not change career at all. What I would like is to have had or to still have the opportunity to uh, um, gain a bit more learning that would enable me to do a bit more teaching, you know, uh, and coaching. That is a bit of my job that I love so much. Is that is that bit of um, helping people, supporting individuals or teams in in realizing their potential? Um, if I could change anything, it would I, I, I'd probably spend some time learning how to be a better teacher. Sometimes I think everything happens for a reason, you know. And I struggled in a part of my career for for a big part of my career. Some of that was because. I moved up to, to Manchester by myself. Um, I moved away from my support network. Um, I learned about resilience at the BBC, went on a course, and it was, it was really good. And um, what I realized is that I had lost a lot of confidence. And you can break resilience down into many different parts, but there are four components, main components of resilience, and that is uh, confidence, adaptability, purposefulness, and social support. And we all have a different varying range of all of these things. So I can safely say that most, most of mine was social support. <laughs> and that's a lot in, in like our community, right? It, you know, our parents, Christian faith, we used to go to church all the time. And that we're centered around family, very centered around family. Other cultures too. I'm not saying we're the only one. But um, <laughs> I moved away from that. Then when things got a little bit tough, they got really tough, you know. So struggled for a bit. I would say if I could change anything... I don't know if I would, it would be learning and realizing my strengths earlier because I've got a lot of strengths um, and learning that failure isn't a bad thing. I, it took me a very long time to learn that failure isn't a bad thing. Um, Chuck's mentioned it, I think, the, the mentors. I didn't believe in mentors. Before I went on this, uh, on this resilience course, I thought I was fine. And I was, when I went, I was like, whoa. I'm not fine. So it's like mentors. And I work with a, a gentleman now called Phil Robinson. We just delivered a talk on Tuesday called Decommissioning, um, an engineering guide to decommissioning systemic racism. And it, it went down really well. 
um, the first person, Mark K, was the first person who I spoke to and explained to him exactly how I felt. You know, the pressures, the the extra cognitive load that we go through, you know, the running things through a filter just to make sure that we're saying something quite right. Um, wondering what if we're saying something quite right, wondering if someone in the room is shutting us down because of the color of our skin or something like that. All of these things were rolling around. But he was the first person that said, you know what, that's not right. You know, and I think we, we definitely need to do something about it. Some people don't think it's like their place to get involved. Like, oh, who am I to do this? When I was like, no, 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 help. We need your help, right? We need allies. Obviously, my dad, he's the reason why I'm who, how I am right now, you know, then he always used to talk about fellowship and all of this. And I'd be saying, oh, no, dad, what are you doing? That? But now I'm talking about fellowship because you know what he used to do? He always used to ring up and talk about and, and find out how people are doing. What do I do now? Every day when I wake up, I go on WhatsApp. How are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? And I just continue my day. So that's very, very strong influence to me. There are a lot of nods in this conversation through what you've been saying. So I can see everybody's relating to it. And it sounds like you have a really great network of people supporting you, rooting for you. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. Sam, any reflections from you? If you could change anything, would you? Um, so I think Chucks and both Matthew have um, reflected on things that I would agree on and things that have resonated with me. Um, in addition, I probably would have changed how quickly I took my career seriously. Initially, when I joined the civil service, until I found my niche, which was delivery management, I, I didn't like necessarily see all of the opportunities that were directly in front of me. Um, so even though I was doing my job amazingly, I wish... I wish I would like to say I wish other people like saw it and was like you know you're like you could do way more than this like and someone did eventually but it was like years later but uh, taking the onus on myself like I wish I was just like like let me see what else GDS has to offer like you're definitely interested in technology and there are probably some non-technical roles that would suit you to the T um so to, I wish I just did that kind of investigation piece a lot quicker I also don't feel like I feel like everything happens in time and everything happens for a reason. So I'm sure my energies were invested elsewhere that it needed to be at that time. Um, so, yeah, now I'm super focused and I know exactly um, what my position is, where my skills lie and what I can offer to the tech industry as a black female. Um, so, yeah, that would be mine. But like Matthew said, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so failing fast was hard for me to learn because I want everything to be perfect before I try it out. So yeah, <laughs> learning about that has like literally revolutionized my life inside and outside of work. Just a quick dive into it before I go on to the next question, but you mentioned being a perfectionist and I think Chuck's had a similar sort of uh, conversation earlier. Do you think that is to do with your cultural background as well, that you feel like you've got to meet expectations and surpass them maybe? Yeah, I, uh, I mentioned I'm one of seven children and the least qualification amongst us is a master's degree. My mother was a head teacher. Uh, my father was... Uh, a Nigerian government permanent secretary. So, yeah, there, there is this thing about um, the drive to achieve excellence. My mother would say, um, you know, whatever you become, you would have to become by yourself. Nobody would give it to you. Go out there, 
and get it. You know, don't wait for opportunities to be given to you. Create them, take them, demand them. You know, it's it's unacceptable. You know, in my cultural background, to to sit on your hands, it's completely unacceptable. I I cannot even conceive it. I really can't. Those are really motivational things to say. I could see a lot of nodding with that again. Think that, um, yeah, Matt and Sam might have related to a being raised like that. Maybe I'm speculating. Let's hear from you both. Um, my perfectionism definitely comes from my parents and my upbringing. My dad would always be like, um, if you get a 99% on a test, like maybe other families would be like, that's an A, that's amazing. My parents would be like, where, what happened to the 1%? So there was always this notion to be perfect, but I still, I, I don't necessarily wish I was brought up any different because I love who I am today, but I definitely um, know how to amend the things I was taught and implement them maybe in like a different, more creative way to get the same or better outcomes. Yeah, it sounds like you've taken the best lessons from what you were raised like and the best lessons of what you know now and fuse them together. That sounds really nice. So Matt, any reflections on your family? Yeah, so so I I would come at it from a different angle. It's very interesting. So you get very different variations, and this is really good because I find that uh, with stereotyping, everybody thinks that all black people are kind of like the same, and we're not. We're very very different. You know, uh, there's so many different cultures. You know, so many different countries in, involved in this thing. But um, one of the things that I've always said to people is that. I can speak for a lot of people that I know who look like me, that they've always heard you have to work 10 times harder than your counterparts. And it's like one of the things that is confusing. And, and I know my parents were trying to put me in a good position so that I would succeed. But then what that actually does, that actually starts to set you apart from your counterparts. And it, it can have a damaging effect because then you go to school and you're like, right, okay, I am different. Why am I different? And then getting confirmation bias by, you know, so you're like teachers who don't understand your culture. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of people don't know who they are yet. And they're learning who they are. So, you know, then these confirmation biases are happening, you know, on both sides. So it's it's, it's kind of like like what, what Sam said, you, you take what the good things and then apply it. Do, do agile with it, right? put out some, get some feedback on it and then come back and then say, no, 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 let's change that here. What's the requirements? Um, what what was the user feedback? You know what I mean? What the stakeholders want? And then, then go forward again, you know? So that's what I would say. That was really cool. Um, so our next question, um, we've had a bit of a look into your past just now, but I was wondering if you've got any idea about your future. Where do you see yourself in five, 10, 20 years? I don't want to make any guesses about how old people are, so I'm keeping it open so you can pick how far into the future you're going to look and what you think you're, you'll be doing at that point. How about we start with Sam? Um, professionally, uh, I will be some sort of delivery manager head somewhere. I would love to work for a company that has a product that uh, naturally is a part of my everyday life. And then uh, using my experience in private sector, come back to public sector, because I do feel like um, there's a lot we can learn in government from private sector organizations. Um, but again, in turn, there's a lot that private sector companies can learn from government. So I'd love to like bring my expertise externally um, and then 
learn some stuff there and bring them back to government. Um, I also see myself just being more of a head in the DNI space, especially where it comes to like being influential in terms of black women in tech, black people in tech in general. I'm gonna be, or already am a part of Matthew's network. Um, and there's so much interesting conversations going on and the platforms that he's utilizing. Um, so it's amazing that he's bringing together um, black techs. So black people in tech, so I, I'm absolutely loving that and I'd love to do a lot more. I'm also really into um, working with organizations and schools, help them to be more diverse and inclusive. And I've done like uh, this summer, I did a, did a session with some teachers um, with an organization called Success Through Soka. And we ran some sessions to give them ideas on how they can incorporate black history into the curriculum. So that's really exciting. And I hope like in the next five years, we've really established a solid program that can impact and revolutionize how we do stuff um, as businesses, organizations, schools, um, just like Matthew said, like we really can unpick a lot of the stuff if it really is just systemic. So, yeah, those are two highlights of where I see myself in five years. I love it. You're already manifesting your future. That's great. So, yeah, Matt, obviously your network was mentioned. What do you see in your future? All right. I'll try to keep this quick. Uh, so more of the same straight up more of the same so i'm a software engineer right now i'm applying for tech roles tech lead roles right now i'm going to jump because i've realized my power realized my strength so engineering manager next don't know how long that's going to take probably two years on the trajectory that i'm on and then probably moving up to cto um, chief technical officer stuff like that um, continue my public speaking and do more of that um, and then beyond there, I want to create more networks. I'm, I'm seem to be really good at creating networks and motivating people. So I just want to do more of that and, and bringing out the culture. Um, so as, as I said, I've got a motivational platform. I'm doing work on DNI inside and outside of the, of the, um, BBC. Then I run in a think tank, um, called uh, future perspective where we think about the future we think about what, what's going because like a lot of people are thinking about the past which we have to we have to understand where we're coming from right and for the present because there's a lot of stuff going on now but i want people to think about the future as well what's going to happen in 25 years 30 years time we, we all need to link up and talk to allies as well talk to majority groups it's just start that conversation so it's all about that conversation oh um it might sound corny but i'm going to change the world I love it. You gotta aim high. You gotta aim high. All right, round to you, Chucks. I'm conscious there will be a lot of people who listen to this who would think, um, "Oh my goodness, you know, what's in it for me in the next five, ten years?" Um, you know, black people, um, and I'm not, um, you know, I'm not embarrassed to say that I'm not quite sure. I know that I enjoy. Uh, teaching. There is a lot that can be done in terms of education and raising awareness. Um, I, uh, you know, when I say I'm very religious, I'm actually in, in my spare time at Church of England vicar. Um, so I do a lot of preaching on Sundays. Um, and, and, and I have become this person who want to bring people to a, a place where you realize that there isn't actually a need for discrimination. 
um, you know, there isn't actually a need for that. There isn't, you know, th there is no need to feel threatened by somebody who's slightly different from you. So I know what world I want to be in in the next five, ten years. I'm not quite sure my role in that. I'm also very ambitious. I, I know I'm qualified to be a director of a program, but I'm, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to navigate all of this. I have a, a vision of the world I want to be in. It's an inclusive world, it's an open world, it's a world where, you know, um, government services can be accessed easily. You know, I want to educate people about diversity, I want to educate people about how to run good projects and good projects and good programs. How all of that shapes in the next five to ten years, I really don't know. And, and it will work itself out. But one thing I have to say, and I want to say to uh, any uh, uh, black person, uh, particularly up and coming people um, who are not sure of what the future holds is, don't do nothing. You know, you may not be sure of what, what it is you're going to do and how you're going to get that or your role in all of this. You may not be sure of that. One thing you cannot do is just sit back and feel sorry for yourself. Ask questions. Come out and say, these are the things I enjoy. How does this progress? How does this, how do I make a difference? Don't shy away. I don't know what I'm going to be doing in the next five years, but I'm not going to not explore what is out there. Great wise words. Uh, Matt, anything to add for the future in uh, Black Excellence in Tech? Uh, yeah, I, I just want to echo everything that Chuck just said, actually. Just keep moving. If you don't know what you want to do, do something and perfect that, because then you've you got the transferable skills. You, you see how we all spoke about what we used to do, and now we just do this, and it was just a, um, it's just an iteration. Here we go again. An iteration on what we used to do in a different form, right? So I'll just roll into my, um, like, what I would tell kids is learn how you learn. That's the simplest thing I can say. Just learn how you learn. Don't let other people tell you how you learn because the school system can only teach you in a certain way. They've only got a certain capacity. So you need to learn how you learn, what works best for you. Don't discredit the other ways. Keep them there as well and use those as well because you have to learn. You have to pick up the knowledge from different people and people then um, communicate in different ways to you. So you have to understand how they're communicating to you, but learn how you learn best. Very simple. I like it. Very straightforward. Um, yeah, Sam, anything from you that you want to pass on to the future stars? Uh, I would say just work on having self-belief. I feel like a lot of things come from within and I feel like it's really good to work on yourself you really need to build up your self-confidence so that you don't feel intimidated in any room that you step into even if you lack knowledge because having the self-confidence will give you the power and the confidence to ask the questions the question that no one wants to ask but to be fair half of the people in the room want to know the answer to that question and when you just have that natural energy about you you will naturally just go on that website and look for that networking event or go on youtube and find a video about how to get involved in tech or, or anything that your uh, you your heart desires so yeah really work on yourself Thank you all for your amazing advice for uh, any Black people who are interested in working in tech, data, digital, all that space. Um, 
do you have any advice for allies? Um, what can we do to support Black colleagues in the workplace? Do you have any examples of exceptional ally action that listeners can take on and think about how they can put it into action maybe? Roughly, it's roughly the same thing. Have self-confidence because what happens on the other side is that people like, oh, I don't want to make a mistake. Take the same approach that we do here, fail fast. You're going to get things wrong. As long as it comes in the right energy, you're going, you, you're going to be able to move on and people are be able, going to be able to understand where you're coming from if it comes in the right energy and, and, and with the right intent, you know, do your homework, do your reading. There's loads of resources out there now. Um, talk to people, but there's, here's one, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Um, learn from other cultures because you can't manage people from other cultures if you don't know their culture. It's, it's, it's almost impossible, right? Sorry, sorry, you can't lead people. You can manage them, but you can't lead them. Leadership is different, right? There's a big gap in the middle. So someone has to lean forward first. You know, some of the peers might be behind the curve or might not understand. Just talk to them as well. You know, do things, just get yourself in the right frame of mind. Practicing gratitude is 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 number one. Um, and just being confident as well. Chuck was confident to say that he didn't know. It's the self-belief. He's just like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. And that's amazing. If you hear it, it's slightly different to say, no, I don't know, I'm not going to do anything. For me, I would say the first thing is accept that you are an ally. Within this context of race, if you are not Black or BAME, you are an ally. And you should treat that like really seriously. Like, I don't have a choice that I'm Black you actually don't have a choice that you're an ally. And I just feel like everyone in the workplace should take that really seriously. So just start taking action from today. If you are not BAME and you really want to help out, I just feel like everyone should feel like this. Everyone, it's everyone's problem to resolve. That I think that's my main message. Like, as long as you're in a workplace, you should just be trying to ensure that it's a great place for everyone to work, whether you're BAME or whether you're not. Um, so yeah, like Matthew said, just reiterate the fact that there's those resources out there. Um, go to your BAME network in the first instance. If you are in an organization that doesn't have an ally network, like GDS is really good at the moment. We literally have an allies network. But if you don't, go to your BAME network and see how you can help out or just be the bold person to start an allies network at your own organization and bring your peers along the journey too um there's so much you can do especially do you know what in line line management i know matthew said there's a difference between leadership and managing and there is but really take your role as a line manager seriously literally like all of my line managers in my career have not been bame and that always like I, i'm really always nervous about it because i really want my line manager to be a champion for me naturally um, and take the role really seriously. So if you are a line manager, particularly for, for someone from a BAME background, really do take that role seriously. Um, because in a lot of organizations, when it comes to like performance um, awards and performance ratings, um, BAME people do tend to score the lowest. So we really need to work on how we are line managing BAME colleagues, encourage them, help them to um, recognize their skills a lot of us want to be perfect help us to work on the fact that we can fail fast encourage us to just go and do random things in the organization that naturally white colleagues are like naturally more like risk averse we're not we we don't want to like take risks because we feel like we might get in trouble or yeah just make sure the environment for your line reportee 
is one where they can just like flourish and yeah that would be my advice thank you sam finally chucks any sage words for you to allies in the workplace and yes absolutely i'll start from some something my my father used to say um there are two types of people in the world um those who listen to hear what you're saying and those who listen to respond unfortunately i think that a lot of people who are not um uh, a minority in this country uh listen to respond they're not listening to hear what i'm saying they're listening to uh to, to give me the answer as per the script you know there isn't uh active listening to hear what what i'm saying and when you're not listening to hear what i'm saying you miss you know the things that i say that i never say so you miss you know hearing what i'm saying that i i don't have the words to express a lot of our white colleagues don't know how to listen to us i had to learn how to listen to i lived in scotland for 14 years i had to learn how to listen to my scottish friends not because of the accent that's nothing to do with the accent to learn expressions colloquialism all of that what people say and what they mean and then i moved down south and as a, 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 a glaswegian friend of mine gave me a thing that has what english people say and what they mean you know when i was going said this is not scotland you're going down south and people are going to say one thing and mean another thing and i had to learn how to listen the other thing i want to say is as an ally please don't make assumptions assumptions very bad things you know unless you're making it in the context of project delivery and you can make assumptions and you can back it up and you can you know uh, have your plans in place to respond to the assumptions don't make assumptions don't assume that because i am you know i am black um i i don't have a sunburn for instance you know that was one i had to deal with today with somebody um you know do you burn do you get sunburn assumptions very bad things if you don't understand the cultural uh, manifestation of a behavior do ask um you know matthew's just said it all read ask ask google that's a lot of material for us to go through as allies for you in the workplace you've given us plenty to work with uh thank you so much for sharing i can see that it did take a bit of a toll on you as well and i want to acknowledge that that we shouldn't be putting this burden on you but thank you for sharing these resources and tips nonetheless um hopefully less draining and more exciting for you um this is more about sharing the resources for fellow black people working in tech i was wondering if there is anything that any events or organizations that you wanted to give a shout out to that listeners can look up and we can include the details in the show notes and the blog post that accompanies the episode um so i just wanted to say you know i've got my my motivational platform release reality um the uh future perspective is is brand new so just watch out for for that so that black tech network group you can contact me on info@releasereality.com or matthewcard@gmail.com um i would encourage an eye out for uh several agile meetups uh, i'm not sure uh, in the current circumstance uh with coronavirus um and they're usually advertised on um you know key major network uh websites and uh 
Twitter um, uh, on Twitter as well. So people will do well to look out for such, and and where possible, please uh, attend because it's it's a really good way to network and to learn and to hear uh, what what's happening in the industry, what other people are doing, uh, some of the ideas that are coming through. Firstly, I'd like to shout out GDS BAME Network because I think we're doing some amazing things as a community and the anti-racism network as well that has formed um, this year. I would just like to shout them out because their work has literally been amazing and has changed um, changed the culture in GDS essentially and that has been extremely positive. Um, I'd also like to shout out Success Through Soka. I work alongside them doing um, using Black British history to help to uh, build leadership skills within schools, colleges, and we also work with organisations to help them transform their organisations and allow them to be more diverse and inclusive. Another organisation I'd like to uh, share or give a shout out to is Pink Dynasty. They're doing some amazing work in the tech space. They have events for people who are not specifically techies but want to get into a career in technology. And as I've said, I am a delivery manager and typically that's not like a super techie role, but definitely is a way to encourage people who have a passion for technology to not be dissuaded into getting involved. Amazing. These sound like really worthwhile organizations, and I really hope that our listeners take a look at them and get involved with them as well. Thank you so much for sharing those and also for coming on today. You can listen to all the episodes of the Government Digital Service Podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And the transcripts are available on Podbean. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.